It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, this weekend, Jared is supporting his youngest son for his first college football game, which is, which is pretty cool that they get to go support him and do that. Um, let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we just thank you that we can come together today. Father, we just thank you for the gift of community, of church family, um, that we can be in the same place all together and online. Um, Lord, we just want to pray for today. Just pray that it would be for your glory. Um, we just want to pray that, um, that you would just use me, Father, and that you would speak through me um, as your humble and broken servant. Um, just want to be used by you today, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that there is something in this sermon for everybody in this room. That your Holy Spirit would just um, speak to each individual as is needed, Father. Um, lift all this up to you. Your sins let me pray. Amen. Well, cool. So yeah, my name is Ben. If you don't know me, I am the youth director here. I'm in charge of babies all the way up to 18-year-olds, um, which is a big age gap. Uh, but I have some really awesome people like Nancy and others who help me with that. Um, but yeah, this is my fiance, Jackie. Um, we're getting married in November, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, my parents are always like, so when the grandbaby's coming, you know? <laughs> And you're like, we got, we're mar not married yet, so just wait, just take your, just wait a second. Um, oh, man. But yeah. Um, but just a little bit about me, because some of you don't know me. Um, a lot of times I'm back in the kids' room, so I don't get to talk with you guys as much, which I wish I could more. Um, but a little bit of my story, like I uh, grew up in Missoula, went to Montana State as a teacher, and then went overseas for a little while, and then after... Um, that I came to CLDI, which is a nonprofit on the south side, working with YouthWorks. Um, and through that, um, just felt like God was showing me, like, hey, Ben, like, you love evangelism, you love talking to people about Jesus, and you love kids, so you should try to become a youth pastor. Um, and it was so funny because I, um, I did, I was applying, and I ended up getting a job actually over in San Francisco. Um, and then that weekend, when I was about to fly over to accept the job and sign the papers, COVID hit. Um, and just totally shut that door. And then months later, um, the Hope Center came along, and um, here I am. So definitely see how the Lord took care of me in that and brought me to Jackie, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so, but I love kids. Um, and I, man, I'm excited to be with you all this morning, though, because it's nice to be talking to somebody and not have the kid, like, picking their nose while you're trying to tell them something. So... <laughs> This will be good. Um, well, you never know. You never know. That's a good point. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but, man, being a kid, how many of you were middle-named growing up by your parents? Like, and when they say it, you knew, like, hey, I'm in trouble. This is not good. Oh, yeah. That's when you know. That's when you know. That's right, Randy. Amen. Um, so for me growing up, I was middle named a lot, a lot, just period. But most of the time it was when I wasn't doing my chores growing up. So I remember one Saturday morning, classic, me and my brother John were like in elementary school and we wake up and our classic thing is get up at 6 a.m. and we just watch cartoons until like noon. Like we are just in our PJs, we are fasting. We didn't even eat breakfast, we're watching TV. That's not good. But Simply put, like, we would watch it until about noon, and about that time, we knew we had chores to do at our house, whether it was picking up the dog poop, mowing the lawn, vacuuming the house, 
whatever it was. If it was snowing, you know, you had to go dig yourself out. But whatever it was, um, we knew at noon we had to go do those things. Well, this day, we decided we weren't feeling it. So once the cartoons got done, we put the video games in, and we're downstairs, and we're playing. Everything's going well. And all of a sudden, I hear this, John Cheston Cellini, you get your butt up here right now. And I'm downstairs, and I'm like, yes. She didn't call for me. She called for my brother, John. So he goes up there, and uh, of course, classic little brother, he's like, well, Ben's downstairs. And I'm like, you snitch. <laughs> and she calls me, Bennett Chandler Cellini, you get up here too. And I remember we had to do a little bit more chores that day than we usually do, um, to say the least. Um, probably got grounded in some other things as well. But um, this kind of brings me to my first point about my sermon is about serving. Um, but my first point is serving doesn't require a calling. Serving doesn't require a calling. You know, I just feel like a lot of times, like, we're just sitting and we're kind of waiting for God to, like, let us know of when we're supposed to go serve or what we're supposed to go do or what he's calling us to. You know, and I, I'm guilty of it for sure. And I just feel like when I was reading through all these passages this week, um, just felt like, you know, I, I was like, man, how much is serving in the Bible? The word serve is in the Bible 209 times, you know. And in a way, serving is like chores in that we know we're supposed to do it. We know it's what God calls us to. Um, so we just need to step into it. Um, but yeah, serving doesn't require a calling. I think a good verse that even just kind of gets us a little bit for, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, obviously one of those things is serving. God has, God has good works that he has prepared for us to do, made us each uniquely to do, which is an awesome opportunity and gift to be able to be a part of building the Lord's kingdom. Um, but let's get into our passage today. So I picked John 13. If you want to turn your Bibles there, um, if you want to use one of the Bibles in the church, it's on page 1079. Um, when you get there, you'll see that it's a pretty popular passage. Um, this is when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. So this is Jesus. He's with his 12 disciples. It's one of his final moments with them. And he knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to get arrested. He knows he will be tortured. He knows he will die for us, to save us. But in his final moments, which so powerful is the action he chooses to take, this final moments with his disciples. So let's read. Um, chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped 
around him. So this is Jesus' final moments with his, with his best friends, with his disciples, with his followers. And out of all the things that he could choose to do, he, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the great I am, who was there at the beginning and will be there at the end, chooses to strip himself naked, put only a towel around his waist, and go wash his disciples' feet. It's such a picture, a vulnerable picture of just humility and love. And it's like, why? Why would he choose to do that out of all the things that he could choose with his last moments with his disciples? Why would he choose that? Which brings me to my next point. And it's that you can't love well unless you have been loved well. You can't love well unless you have been loved well. There's a saying in psychology that says, hurt people, hurt people. You know, and I would flip it and say, loved people, loved people then. So this is a big deal for a few reasons. Um, one of which is that feet were nasty back then. Like, feet are gross now. Like, sometimes Jackie and I will be with friends, and she'll joke, like, yeah, when we get married, Ben's going to, like, rub my feet and stuff. And I'm like, mm-mm, nope, land on the lawn now. That's not happening, <laughs> okay? I don't do feet, mm-mm, no. I don't expect her to do mine either. That's nasty, okay? But this is back then, like, we have water access for the most part now. We have soap. We have all these different things. Back then, they didn't have any of those things. And they were usually walking around in sandals or barely less in fields, on dirt roads, their feet were nasty, to say the least, okay? They were dirty, okay? They were so dirty that in Jewish culture, feet were only washed by non-Jewish servants due to how dirty the work was considered. So if you were a Jew, you didn't wash people's feet because you were above that. You were better than that. Only the lowly people outside of the Jews were going to do that type of work. You were lowly. And I think lastly, what's really important here is that Jesus knows that we see that in Jesus. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knows this man is going to sell him out. He's going to betray him. He's going to give him away. And Jesus still chooses to wash his feet. That's a powerful picture. This brings me to my next point in that Jesus loved us perfectly. We are the disciples in this passage. We are his followers. We are his saints. We are his disciples. And he loves us perfectly because we are dirty. We are. We are lowly compared to him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, who was there at the beginning and the end. And we were his enemies. We were not just in the middle, folks. Like, we were not in the middle like, ah, I don't know what I think about Jesus. Like, no, we were sinning. We were enemies. We were against him. And he still chooses to take this humble, vulnerable position of 
being naked and only having a towel around his waist and washing his disciples' feet. We are the disciples, and Jesus has loved us perfectly. And why does he do this? Because loved people love people. He loves the disciples that way because he wants them to go love others that way. If we continue on our passage, verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher, with a capital T, and Lord, with a capital L. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus loved us perfectly, and in that, we should go love others the same. Hmm. So now, um, I have a pretty tough passage coming up, and it has to do with this last part of this, la of this verse. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What is the blessing that he's talking about here? You know? What is the blessing? I think there's a lot of blessing in it, honestly. One of them is obviously like sanctification, like we become more like Jesus as we serve others. Our heart grows bigger as we serve others. We become more like Jesus, humble, servant-like as we serve others. But I think there's another uh, powerful passage about this. Um, and um, as I bring this to you, like I just want you to know, like when I read this, it definitely, it definitely wrecked me in a lot of ways um you know and there's part of me even this week i was like you know it's my first sermon i get to preach and i'm like man like i know jared was like i give you a layup serving you can do this easy you know and i found this passage and i was like Ugh, do i want to read this one this is tough you know but i really feel like if i love you just like the lord loved me and showed me this i should share it with you so it's a long one but um, it's Matthew 25, 31 through 46, if you want to turn there. Um, and, you know, I've talked about how Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the great I am. Great I am. He was there at the beginning and will be there at the end. This passage is about when Jesus comes back and he's there at the end. And all the nations of the world are before him. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now he's a shepherd, right? Shepherd is for sheep. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick and, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's a powerful passage. It's just so, so convicting. Um, what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that if you serve the least of these, you're saved? Is he saying you're saved by your actions? No. This gets my last point. Action shows belief. Action shows belief. If I go to James 2, 14 through 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Our actions show what we actually believe. The demons know that God is God. They know that Jesus is the Savior, but they don't follow him. Their actions don't show that they follow him. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know him. And I just bring this up because this was really convicting for me because I, I think when we read this passage, all of us have to look ourselves in the mirror. We have to check ourselves, check our hearts, and make sure that we have to look at our actions. One, am I serving people? Am I looking for opportunities to serve? Because some of you in this room, you do serve, and you are even tired from it. And I don't want you to hear this sermon and be like, like I feel like I'm cracking the whip. That's not what I want. Absolutely not at all. Okay? Know who you are and who you are with the Lord. Okay? 
But also for those type of people, I also will say like, hey, let's look at our hearts and make sure that we're doing this. We're remembering the love the Lord has shown us in our last passage, what Jesus has done for us. Let's love out of that and not out of, hey, I need to put on a mask or I need to keep answering the call or doing these things for the good of the kingdom. Because the truth is, if you're not good with the Lord, the rest of it doesn't matter. Your heart is the most important thing. And out of that, your actions should show. Um, but for those of you who maybe are looking at yourselves and you're like, hey, maybe I'm not serving. I think we need a heart check. We need to look at ourselves and be like, man, this verse, for John 4, 8, God is love. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know him. Do I know him? I mean, do I know him? Like, I know in my head, hey, I know all the right answers. I know that John 3, 16, I've memorized it. I've been in church since I was a kid. But does my heart know him? Am I in love with my Savior? Am I crazy about him? Do I make time for him like a man should make time for his wife? Putting her needs before my own? Am I in love with my Father? That's important. And I just shared this passage with you as a heart check. Hey, let's all check ourselves. Make sure we're in the right spot. Make sure we're right with the Lord. Because at the end of the time, when Jesus comes back, the question is, which side will you be on? Are you going to be on the left? Or are you going to be on the right? And I share this with you because I want you to be on the right. I want you all to be saved. And we're not saved by serving, but our actions show what we believe. What's true in here? I think the last thing I just want to say is, is finish the race. Finish the race. You know, when I was in college, um, a big part of my life in college was crew. That's who I went overseas with. Um, and just simply put, like, it was just a game changer for me, you know, just seeing how important it was to share the gospel with people. You know, in crew... Man, they do such a good job of teaching you how to evangelize and share the gospel with people. Um, but I remember my disciples were also just talking about serving, you know, and just this, this thought of, hey, your actions show what you believe. What good is it if you say, hey, I, I believe in Jesus and I'm sharing with him with others, but my actions don't represent it? People aren't going to care about what you know until they know how much you care about them. Your actions are always going to speak louder than your words. I can go share the gospel with somebody, but if my life doesn't represent it, who cares? Who's going to listen to that? We had um, this guy named Mr. Brown, and he was the leader of Campus Crusade for Christ at Montana State, um, probably in the 70s. And they brought him back to speak my senior year of college. And I just remember this picture of him this, this older fella who'd been in ministry for years, who had brought so many people to Jesus, who had ministered to so many different people. And he walks back in his sermon, he pulls out this baton. And he comes out, and he's like, I'm looking for somebody to pass this on to. I'm looking for somebody to pass this on to because I know that my time is short And I'm almost at the end. 
And I need to pass this on to somebody else to finish the race, to keep it going. There's a passage in uh, 2 Timothy, and it's Paul, and he's in a similar spot. He knows he's at the end of his time, you know, and he's this great missionary, written most of the New Testament, the back of the Bible, and he's talking to Timothy, his, his, the guy he's been mentoring, basically. He's sending him this letter. And he's, as he's in prison, he sends this to Timothy, and he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to, also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul had been waiting his whole life to go be with God in heaven. Philippians, he talks about how he looks forward to that, even wants that more than he wants to be alive. Like he looks forward to dying even, which is just absurd. It's just crazy, the amount of faith he has to have a heart in that place. And I think what I, we all need to ask ourselves is, hey, do my actions represent that? Do my actions represent that I am in so in love with Jesus and so ready for when he comes back that I believe that when I die, it's going to be all about his kingdom and not my kingdom? The most important things in our lives that a lot of times become our idols are our time, our money, and our talents. How are we using these to serve others? How are we investing in God's kingdom, the eternal kingdom, and not our own? Some of us, like me, I'm pretty, I'm a lot younger, so I have a lot longer of this race to go. Um, I know that a lot of more people in this room are a little older than I am, and um, I think as the young guy who just is reading this passage, I think all I just want to say is, hey, let's finish the race. Let's finish the race. And us young people, we need to be ready to have the baton passed on to us to continue to build the Lord's kingdom. Let's pray. Um, oh, man, Lord, I just, um, just want to pray. Uh, first, I want to take a moment. If there's anybody in this room, Father, who just, they just want to go serve, like they just feel like, um, Lord, they just feel this overwhelming feeling of the love that you have shown them, that they out of this out of this sermon they just want to walk out of this building and just go serve people lord i just pray that i just pray lord that we would wake up every morning and just remember what you have done for us and out of that we'd be able to go love others lord